The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. It's coming. Flanker screen. Complete to Powell. He has blinding speed, and nobody is going to catch Powell for 74 yards. He came into this game averaging 44 yards a catch. Now it goes up. Damon Powell, a junior college transfer with great speed. This is pretty easy. Catch the ball. Lower your head. See you later. 17-0 Hawkeyes. Hello, everyone. This is Jan Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes. Mike, we have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' homecoming game against the Michigan State Spartans. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbonad and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeyes' Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporter's Notebook show this week with Steve Batterson. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of ABC with announcers Mike Patrick and Ed Cunningham. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz was asked about the challenge that Michigan State's top-ranked defense poses for his Hawkeyes. It's going to be a big challenge. I mean, they're they're first in the country right now in total defense, and I think they're first pass defense, second rush. So, uh, and you watch the film, you can see why they're just really playing with confidence right now. They've got great senior leadership and veteran leadership, and their scheme is—I wouldn't call it overly complex, but it's it's. They have enough complexity in there where you just can't you can't ever get comfortable, and they always make it a challenge. It seems uh, the subtleties of it. It's just it's really hard to to get clean plays. It's it's not you know so it's going to be a challenge for us, and that'll be a big big uh, part of the game this Saturday. Ferentz was asked about speedster wide receiver Demond Powell and getting him more snaps. Probably haven't given him enough, I guess, based on the statistics. But uh, you know it's a process, and and uh, you know we all knew he was fast. That's one thing we we all feel good about. And I think he's gaining confidence with every week and, and learning. He's doing a good job, you know, at practice, and that's that's the most important thing. That's how you do, you know, you start climbing the ladder by what you do during the week. Yeah, he's a young guy trying to learn learn how to play, you know, and uh, the you know thing about him again, he's fast. We all know that, but I, I just think I'll, I'll harp on with him is just his positive energy. He loves playing football. Uh, I think one of the upsides of getting a guy who's going to a JC is that he appreciates the opportunity, appreciates you know being somewhere where they have training table meals. You know, we ride on 
nice buses and planes and things like that, you know, and uh, it's like coaching at Maine. You know, you coach at Maine, you appreciate things a little bit more, you know, when you get in the Big Ten. So it's just, I think he's going through that too. So certainly about him is really positive, other than he just hasn't played a lot. Ferentz talks about his linebackers. Well, yeah, I mean, one thing I'd comment, because uh, I don't think they made any list. I don't, I don't look at those lists too hard, but it seems like every week, you know, you look at their, or when I was in Chicago, there's a lot of linebackers there, I'll put it that way. So uh, one comment I'll make, there's a lot of good linebackers in our league, and we're, we're seeing a couple of them this week, uh, the whole crew, all three of their guys are good but 40 and 28 in particular you know they've played a lot of football and they're really good players so like you know who's better I don't don't know that stuff but uh our three guys have all played a lot and and I'll I've said it before I'll say it again they they really practiced well last spring you'd see them improve and and the same thing in camp and and having experience and then a good work ethic that's a good combination so all three guys are really doing a good job right now and uh, just happy that they're they're on our team you know they're really really all three of them are great guys and they're good leaders and good good role models for our team. Kirk talks about the struggles his team had last weekend against Minnesota on kickoff coverage. Yeah not happy about that certainly Uh, but I think it's it's the good news from my vantage point it's not like we were earlier uh, or over the last couple of years at times, especially early in the season where we just look anemic out there. Um, the things that happen Saturday are, are you know, we're not that far away. And, and when we are covering right, we cover them pretty good right now. So I think we're on the right path there. I feel feel like we're we got the right guys right now. And, you know, they're still learning a little bit about how to do a couple things uh, on the coverage. But but I feel like, you know, what we have now we can we can work with and, and continue to improve. Whereas, you know, we've had some times over the last four or five years where it's like, you know, what, what the heck's going on out there and, you know, where, where do we, what do we have to do here? But it's, it's not that kind of situation right now. And Ferentz talks about the progress made by starting quarterback Jake Rudock. I think just the fact that now hopefully he's a more confident player than he was a month ago he should be. Uh, and I don't think he lacked confidence going in, but until you go in there and play and things start happening, um, you know, you're never quite sure. So certainly, you know, I think he's he's further down the road now. And I said on the teleconference, I think that probably the biggest uh, attribute I, I would cite on him is if, if something does go wrong, if he has a play, he wishes hadn't taken place. You know, he just he moves on. He puts it puts it over there and just keeps on going. Uh, and he doesn't blow it off, but I mean, it it doesn't affect him moving forward. And that's that's really important at every position. Certainly at that position, it's real critical. Because there again, you're playing a position where everybody has an opinion about what you do. You know, I mean, it's you're out there. Next, we hear from Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio, who was asked about having his team ready for its first Big Ten game coming off a bye week and on the road at Iowa. Well, obviously, you, you know, you sort of train yourself for for these opportunities and, and as you go away. And I think the, the most important thing you got to have when you go to play any away game is, um, you know, you got to have your motor run, you got to have your attitude right. So, you know, we'll get up in the morning, we'll, we'll do some different things in the morning and make sure that when we do hit 12 o'clock Eastern time, which is 11 out there, that we'll be ready to go. Uh, but uh, we played out there at that time before, so we understand the uh, part of that is experience and how to handle it as well. We've done that before. D'Antonio talks about trying to get more explosive plays out of his struggling offense. Well, it's, it's uh, explosive play, plays, I believe, come with execution. You know, obviously there's play calling involved in it, and but there's always opportunities to go up top when you, when you feel that there's you know, certain routes have guys tied in up top. So um, it's a combination of a lot of things, but I think execution is the number one thing. You know, you've got to put the ball on the money. You've got to catch the football. You've got to make the correct read. You've got to protect. You know, that doesn't just involve the offensive lineman. It involves backs at times. So there's a lot of things going on, and uh, 
you got to beat the guy in front of you too. You know, that's a part of it as well. So we're looking forward to those opportunities they come, as they come our way. And you know, we have an opportunity. We need to convert. D'Antonio updates his quarterback situation. Connor Cook's your quarterback, and uh, that has sort of been settled at this point. And what we're looking for him to do is grow and gain experience as he enters his um, really his second full start. And uh, you know he's got a lot of ability. You know his opportunity to play at um, at Notre Dame and the starting experience that he gained there I think is invaluable, and I think he'll continue to flourish. So we're excited about watching him this Saturday and being involved in uh, in every aspect before, after, during the game with him. I have a lot of confidence in him. D'Antonio was asked to characterize the Iowa Michigan State series in recent history. Well, you know, they do what they do, we do what we do. Um, you know, you don't come off of that too much. So they're a very physical football team, and uh, we try and match that, match that physicality. You know, really from game one back in 2007, it was a double overtime game where we got ahead, they came back, they got ahead. And, you know, 2008, we won on a last second fourth down stop. In 2009, they won on a last second slant. 10 and 11 were a little bit different. You know, and last year was a double overtime game where they came back right before the end of the game and tied it and then won it in double overtime. So they've been very close games. And, you know, you know what separates the, those two programs game to game has been the inches, the attention to detail, the little things that either go your way sometimes or don't. But we got to find those inches, and we got to find it at Iowa City this year, and that will be a challenge for us. And they're a good football team. They're extremely well coached, and I have a lot of tremendous amount of respect for the, for Coach Ferentz and, and his coaching staff and what they've been able to accomplish over the years. And in a lot of ways, it sort of emulated them when we came here in 2007 and said there's a program that we felt was doing it the right way and doing it with toughness and wanted to, to take some of the things that they did and implement those those aspects into our program. Not necessarily the things conceptually, but the, um, the mentality. And D'Antonio talks about whether this is his most complete defense so far at Michigan State. Hey, we got to make those assessments at the end of the season. we got the whole Big Ten Conference to go through, and uh, so the level of competitiveness is going to go up. But I think that from an experience standpoint, we have as much experience, game experience, as we've had. We've got a senior, sort of senior, junior, you know, dominated type defense for the most part. So our guys have been in the mix, and they understand our defense very well, and they and we play the ball well and we tackle well. So uh, we have to continue to do those things throughout the year and pressure the quarterback, come up with turnovers and sacks and those type of things. But uh, we certainly, at this point in time, would look look forward to that assessment at the end of the year. But there's, you know, we played, you know, one third of our of our of our uh, season thus far. So there's a lot yet to be determined. <laughs> How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows, this one with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks ahead at the Michigan State game and more. 
Scott, homecoming for Iowa this weekend, the annual black and gold spirit game, but more importantly for the Hawkeyes, it's the second consecutive Big Ten Legends Division matchup for Michigan State. It's their first Big Ten game. Iowa's won three of the last four meetings, including a 19-16 win in double OT last year up in East Lansing, and that was Michigan State's homecoming, coincidentally. Four of the six games since D'Antonio became head coach, decided by seven points or less. Two of those have gone to overtime. D'Antonio is only two and four versus Ference. These are two teams that, to a considerable degree, are mirror images. They both emphasize physicality and strong defense. Yeah, they, they're mirror images of one another. Uh, you know, one's kind of phone booth east, one's phone booth west. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, there have been two kind of outlier games in the series between D'Antonio and Ference. Uh, when each team got a blowout, but for the most part, they're close, tough, physical football games that go down to the to the wire one way or the other. You mentioned two double overtime games last year's, and then the first time they played, which was kind of the high scoring game of the of the series, and then two others. One I remember in two, 2008, where Michigan State held on 16-13 when an Iowa fullback went the wrong way on a fourth and one from the Michigan State 27, and then the next year was just uh, one of those games that live on forever for Iowa fans, and that's Ricky Stanley to Marvin McNutt on the last play of the game for a 15-13 game. So you're looking at two teams that are built the same way, that believe in the same philosophy. They're old school, Big Ten, physical style of football, like to run the football, believe in middle linebackers controlling the controlling the tempo of the game. And what we've seen now is uh, so far that th- these two teams uh, have an immense amount of respect for one another. You listen to both players, coaches, everyone. They understand what they're going to get. And it's just going to be kind of mano a mano and, and Mark Antonio mentioned this week that it's going to be, you know, seriously a game of inches. And and what it means is whether or not his lineman can maneuver himself an inch or two ahead of where the Iowa lineman is and vice versa. So uh, I look for a very close, physical, hard-fought football game as as always between these teams. And it's kind of unfortunate that they go on a hiatus for the next four years after this one. I guess the baseball analogy would be if you like a pitcher's duel, you'll like this game. If you like defense, this one should be for you. Iowa's defense ranks highly in several statistical categories in the FBS, too, especially important. No rushing touchdowns so far in the entire season. There are only one of two teams left in the FBS that can say that. I was also holding its opponents to rushing totals well below their season average. They're only giving up an average of 79.2 yards. On the flip side of that, Michigan State, one of the top nation's defense in several respects, including number one in total defense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're looking at rushing defense. Michigan State giving up just barely 58 yards a game. Iowa giving up around 79. Uh, Michigan State second in the country. Iowa seventh. And then Michigan State, though, can can defend against the pass, too. They lead the nation in pass efficiency defense and by a wide margin. And Iowa's in the top 16. So, And then, as far as you mentioned, total defense, uh, Michigan State holding opponents to less than 190 yards a game, first in the country, and Iowa seventh there. So both teams are built with defense. This is what the hallmark of these two programs are. Good, tough, physical, hard-nosed defense. And you mentioned the pitching analogy, and this, that's exactly right. True football fans, just like true baseball fans, appreciate the strategies and the nuances that, that involve these types of games. You know, 13 to 10 is not a poorly played game. It's a defensive game. I And I go back again to the 2009 game where Iowa won on the last play of the game. There were no touchdowns scored until three minutes left in the game when Michigan State scored one and then Iowa returned it on, on the game's final play. But it was one of the most well-played games I've ever seen because the defense has dictated the tempo of the game. 
every single inch was contested. And even when you got a, it's kind of like when you get a base runner in a, in a pitcher's duel, you feel like, wow, that's a major accomplishment. That's the way it felt that game with a first down. And I think that's what we're going to get on Saturday, which is if you can get to the other, your opponent's side of the field, even just getting past the 50 is going to be an accomplishment because then if you punt, you got to make them go 80 yards. And, and neither team has shown a really much explosion on offense this year, save a few plays from Iowa. They're going to have to grind out the 75, 80 you know, yards to go the distance. So you, this is going to be a game where, as Kirk said before, it's no sin to punt. Low scoring, you can almost bet on it. Another thing to watch on Saturday, should be a fun thing for most football fans, we'll be looking at the respective linebacking cores, sort of not exactly side by side, but it'll be a really good comparison and measuring stick for both of those. Iowa's linebackers are terrific this year. Seniors doing everything that's asked of them. Michigan State's linebackers come in with their reputation of probably being the most solid linebacking core in the entire Big Ten, and the Big Ten's loaded with great linebackers. And I know in your stories this week, you've also focused on their middle linebacker. He's just outstanding. Absolutely. I mean, Max Bulla is everything you want, and I think his counterpart, and I'm I'm writing this in Friday's newspaper, is uh, Max Bulla and James Morris, two of the top 10 ranked uh, linebackers going into next year's NFL draft, both leaders. Both of them are legacies to their program. Uh, In fact, uh, Max Bulla, his grandfather played for Michigan State and was a a guard on a Rose Bowl team in the 50s. His father was a a team captain in the 80s, and now he's a team captain. Uh, Now, uh, both both James Morris and uh, Max Bulla are member of the semifinalists for that leadership, uh, academic leadership award. Both of them have high grade point averages. Uh, Both intense, physical guys that command the respect of their teammates. And but then it's more than the, just those guys. As you mentioned, the linebacking cores for both teams are among the best in the country. I mean, Max Bullock, uh, Danico's Allen, physical guy at the point of attack, a good range. He's a lot like Kirksey from Iowa. And then Taewon Jones is he, out of the six is the only junior, but he's a, a terrific player as well. And then you look at the Iowa side of things, three seniors, three guys who played a lot of football, uh, who have good athletic ability, are tough and physical. But, that's what you got to live for. In Big Ten country, three linebackers, each side, 4-3 defense, all physical, all scared to stop the run, all can defend the pass. I think all six are eventually get at least a shot at the NFL and, and probably three to four at least get drafted. It's exciting. It's exciting if you're an old school football fan, exciting if you like that style of football. And on Saturday, you're going to see the best to the best of the Big Ten go at it on, one, uh, on every possession. Definitely the biggest challenge for Iowa's offense so far this season, but Iowa's offense seems to be developing nicely too, has some good things going for it. Rudock's performance and development continues to surprise, I think, most people. They're highly rated, terrific job on third down conversions, especially third and long, and especially compared to last year. Uh, they're running the fifth highest uh, number of plays in the nation. Last year, they were 113th. They're fourth in the FBS in time of possession. It's a whopping 39 minutes, 50 seconds a game, and Iowa runs more than all but eight teams in the FBS, 65% plus called runs plus QB scrambles. And you guys pointed out in the Gazette that the Hawkeyes have rushed for more than 400 yards four times already out of the five games they've played. They did that just twice in 2012. Yeah, that's the improvement is you can measure it statistically, but really it, it's measured in the ability for the wide receivers to grow. And, and they seem to have taken steps each and every game and doing different things. It's the ability 
for Greg Davis to adapt to certain things, maybe to change his philosophy or have his philosophy changed for him. And and most importantly, what we've seen is growth from the quarterback position. It was really a, a square peg round hole last year with James Vandenberg trying to run what Greg Davis wanted. Jake Rudock has embraced that, added his own level of, uh, of poise and toughness and the ability to get the ball off and provide quiet leadership and, and execution. I mean, you know, and that's what it ultimately comes down to, you know, when you have the ability, when you have the chance to execute, do you? And he has. He has repeatedly on third down, five rushing touchdowns. You know, that's uh, that's something you can't discount because, you know, hey, everything's locked up. He takes off, he scores. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is to score points. And, and what he's been able to do is has been really strong. And then top it off with a devastating running game, physical at the point of attack. Last week, you saw Brandon Sheriff and Connor Buffelli own the right side of the Minnesota defense. That was something I wasn't sure could happen because Minnesota had had a pretty decent run-stopping for but yet they were able to blow them off the ball from the first play to the last play. Uh, they ran to the left 22 times out of a 45 carry. And a majority of those were behind Sheriff to outside zone plays. They saw something there, and then they also realized what they have in Sheriff. So this offense is really starting to take off. It's playing with more confidence, and if it continues to have that growth, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're in every single game this year because they're a team nobody really wants to play that. You know, the only two that I can think of off the top of my head that really embrace that style of football is Michigan State and Wisconsin, and that comes down to playing tough each and every play. And even in Ohio State and Northwestern, which can outscore anybody, they're not going to enjoy playing that because simple, but direct. And you have to be prepared for each and every play to get blown off the ball. As we've talked each of the last couple of weeks, one of the most exciting things about Rudock's runs is not so much the fact that he's scrambling to make something happen, but even in most of those runs, he's looking still to make a pass. He's extending those plays, and that causes real problems for the defense. But having said that, Iowa leads the Big Ten by far in most field goal attempts so far this season, and inside the red zone, they're struggling to score touchdowns. And in a game like this, where both defenses are so good, you get inside the red zone, you really don't want to have to settle for a field goal. No, you don't. And uh, I, but I, at the same time, I think right now it's about uh, it's about scoring points, and it could be one of those thirteen, to, sixteen to thirteen type of games that we've all grown, grown accustomed to. You need to score points, obviously. But you're when when I was eleventh in the red zone right now, at it, scoring even below seventy percent. Uh, that's that's something that they've got to fix. They've got to be more efficient. And is it extending plays? Probably. Is it calling the right one? You know, a lot of times that that goes all the way back to first down. What do you do on first down? And if I was inefficient to, you know, say it's an incompletion, then you put yourself at second and ten, and what did you do to get to that point? So there's a lot of questioning that's going to be going on in the bye week as to how that improved. Uh, but that said, you know, getting, it's, it's funny, we kind of nitpick right now on the red zone, but then you look back at last year and it's, it's night and day. So they've got room to grow, there's no doubt. They're not like Penn State, which is perfect in the red zone. I mean, and, and they've got, but this is a team that's continuing to grow. This week, if you can get seven points, one, that's going to put you in a good position. If you can get it twice, uh, I dare say that uh, whoever gets there three times might end up winning the game. The other thing going on inside the red zone is, in spite of how terrific Mark Wiseman's stats are this year, inside the red zone, his average per rush attempt has dropped significantly. So it may be that Davis needs to be a little more diverse in his play calls there. We'll have to see how that unfolds. Having said all those good things about Iowa's defense, let's talk about Michigan State's. Marv Cook and I were joking in his show this week 
week that uh, most defenses like to make opposing offenses one-dimensional. Michigan State's offense has been almost no-dimensional. Yeah, their offense right now is, 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 is to say it's struggle to give it credit, and I don't think it deserves any credit. You, you look at some of their previous games, uh, Western Michigan, they only scored 26 points, and then I believe 14 were scored by the defense. There's such a yin and yang to this team, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, polar opposites uh, in how they play because they, they're so good defensively. And last year they experienced the same thing. But offensively they have found a rhythm. Connor Cook is their quarterback now. Uh, they started with Andrew Maxwell, but this one goes all the way back to it, that they could make a decision between four different quarterbacks early on. And then finally they kind of by default went with last year's guy, and he didn't work out in Andrew Maxwell. And then now they're in Connor Cook. They've had one good explosive game, and then but, but right now they, they can't figure out who they want, and they and they can't establish anything. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was uh, their bell cow last year, <laughs> no pun intended, but he was, you know, they, they ran him about to death. And now they've got two guys, Jeremy Langford and Nick Hill, who are kind of taking the lion's share of the carries, but neither one of them is a big physical back uh, that Bell was. And, and, and they don't have the receivers that they once did, too, even a couple of years ago. And, of course, no, nobody's Kirk Cousins. Right now, they're searching for an identity on offense. They want to be that physical style of football, but they can't do it. They just, they, whether it's the line or the back cells, or it's the fact that uh, nobody respects their passing game, they've got all these issues there. So uh, when they are going up against Iowa, I'm sure they're thinking that it's the same thing in kind of reverse, which is this is going to be a contested game for every inch, and any lift the defense can give them to put them in position to score, they'll take the points, and that means a field goal because uh, they just don't have the explosiveness, they don't have the ability to stretch the field, they don't have the ability to, to extend drive. And right now, there's no reason to, to, t- to think they will because they were a better team than every team they've played so far, and yet uh, they're 3-1 and one because uh, they, they lost to Notre Dame. So I'm sure they're pretty timid right now thinking, okay, this, you're playing a team on the road, team that's had your number on the road most of the time, and uh, and you don't have the ability to kind of quiet the crowd with, with a long drive. So uh, it's really interesting to see how they cope with this, not only in this game, but the rest of the season. To your point, D'Antonio, at least in his media interactions this past week, is emphasizing the importance of Michigan State getting more explosive plays. Is their wide receiver, McGarrett Kings, the kind of guy who might be able to help with that? And is he likely to be matched up with Desmond King, which will be an interesting thing there? A lot of Kings. Well, I, I don't know. And here's the funny thing. I mean, they have only two guys with more than 10 receptions in, in four games. And uh, so, and King, King leads the, the team with uh, 13. This is a team that is, I believe, the only team in the country that doesn't have a pass reception more than 40 yards. You know, now, granted, I really liked Aaron Burbridge last year. I thought he was a really good player. But that said, you know, they can't find a way to take advantage of him. And he was a freshman. So what are they going to do now? And, you know, it's a good question. You know, Iowa has shown a lot more defensively this year in cover one and man-to-man type schemes. And I don't see any reason why they won't go, you know, go away from that in this type of game because it allows them to, to focus more on run blitz and, and pass flicks. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them really try to get aggressive up front with these guys and try to beat uh, the quarterback with a blitz. So they haven't shown any ability to get beat, get explosive, and I don't I don't know that they will in this game. Turnovers have always been key in this uh, series, but so has the importance of special teams. And while Iowa's been fairly solid so far this year, last week again, they showed a significant weakness relating to kickoff coverage. You know, that, that seems to be another fair spot for Iowa, and it's just been continual. Now, granted, Kirk Ferentz 
said this week that it wasn't. The, the good thing was it was kind of based off the players getting beat as opposed to some schematic or, or not understanding where to go and that sort of thing. But that said, it, it happened twice. It seems to happen every year against Minnesota something special teams. Even the year they won 55 to nothing. Troy Stoudemire turned into a Hall of Famer in the kick return with an average of about 45 yards. So they, uh, they've got issues there again. And in a game like this, you're going to have to solidify everything, tighten it up. Iowa's had decent punt returns, and every and I'm sure right now they're in their final preparations. Michigan State's cautioning them about kicking it straight on to Kevante Martin-Manley. But that said, they probably feel like they can get a break or two in the kick return game, and that's something Iowa needs to watch out for. Fun thing to talk about on special teams, at least as a possibility. DeMond Powell was warming up with the kickoff return unit last week up in Minneapolis. Might be kind of fun to see him try to return a kickoff or two. It would be. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, you know, Jordan Cotton had a really nice year last year, but so far hasn't really done much. He's averaged 22 yards at return as long as just 35. And you think about the explosion that DeMond Powell brings, and, you know, if, if he's in a kick return and he's got a lane, he could be gone. You kind of wonder. I, I, I kind of compared him all along to somebody like Devin Hester in the passing game, which is either have him run a go route or a hitch, <laughs> you know, maybe a bubble screen or a tunnel screen, and, and that's the way they've chosen to use him until he gets more acclimated with the offense. But, you know, again, in the kick return game, if he finds a lane, oh, man, he could be a real weapon there. However, uh, there's a little bit more to that than just returning it. I think they like him a little more in the passing game. And then Jordan Cotton also can be an effective guy, but so far he just has to have either just tried too hard, which we saw early on. I think it was against Northern Illinois. and then But then he's also just has gotten either the blocking or, or read the right holes or what have you. You know, but, uh, you know, if DeMond Powell ever gets a chance to return one, it could be uh, it could be really interesting. This will be the best measuring stick so far of the season for Iowa, if fans have been wondering, and I think sometimes even the players, Morris seemed to indicate that, is not exactly sure where this team is. So, saying that, what are your keys to this game? What's your prediction? Keys to the game are extending drive, converting on third down. It, it could, it, And that could be a lot of different factors. It could be as simple as, if it's third and one, get your one. It could be third and six, don't do anything stupid, don't turn the ball over. Punting is not a sin in this game. Field position is one of the key elements for both teams in this game because if you've got to force them to go, say, 80 yards instead of 40 yards, something that just that simple you know, could turn into uh, the difference between three points and zero points. And uh, so I believe the field position may be one of the key indicators in this game. Turnovers, as always, uh, are going to be, the, be very difficult for either team to overcome. This is a measuring stick game for both opponents. Michigan State's had one and, and against Notre Dame. You could argue Iowa's had two against Iowa State, or actually three, even Northern Illinois. Michigan State hasn't played anybody of that caliber, I would even say, as Northern Illinois. I think Notre Dame is not as good as Northern Illinois. Iowa has the home field advantage. That's going to be crucial. But that said, I, I, I still think this is a series that goes back and forth. I never in a million years would have thought Iowa would have won last year at, at Michigan State. I think Michigan State first maybe a late turnover and ends up uh, stunning the Hawkeyes at home 16-13. Well, that's cast rather a gloom over the evening, hasn't it? And this is a chip shot for Meyer. But three touchdowns versus two touchdowns yes. and a field goal against Minnesota and the way they're playing is a big deal. Hit a 49-yarder, missed a 39-yarder when it hit the upright. He's true on this one. And Iowa extends its lead to 20 to nothing. More importantly, took a lot of time off the clock.
Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. You can call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.